My name is Thomas Malchow. I've been in the fitness industry for over 20 years. I've worked with hundreds of Olympic and professional athletes. I can help you become better at golf. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Train Fully podcast, where we dive deep into golf fitness. I am your host, Thomas Malchow. Every episode, we meet with professionals, experts, and amateurs from all over the world to help you enhance your performance and gain an edge in your game. If you find our podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Now, in this episode, we're meeting with Danny Weber. So Danny's a performance nutritionist. He has a master's degree in sports physiology, and he owns a consulting company called Weber Nutrition that works with a lot of elite golfers, as well as high-level athletes in rugby, basketball, professional boxers, and Ironman triathletes. So we're going to take this opportunity with Danny to try and clear up some of the confusion surrounding nutrition. And I'm sure you see these headlines. I see them every day telling us that certain foods cause cancer, or if you eat this, you'll get fat, or if you eat this, you'll stay young, but only if you eat it during this time of the day. It can all be very confusing. And to make things even worse, quite often, these headlines contradict each other. So what are we to believe and who can we trust? Well, one of the challenges we have is that the terms nutritionist or health coach are often not legally protected terms, right? Which means anybody can call themselves a nutritionist or a health coach. There are no repercussions. You can't call yourself a physical therapist or a kinesiologist if you're not one, but anybody actually can call themselves a nutritionist. So we have to be careful who we're getting our information from. But even if the person certified that doesn't necessarily guarantee that they're going to be giving you the best information. For example, I'm a certified sports nutritionist, but you won't ever hear me giving advice, nutrition advice online. I might give it to my friends and family. I might give it to my clients in general terms, but I won't create a dietary intervention for an athlete, for a client, or create content about that online. Why? Because there are people who know more about it than I do. People who spend more time going through all the nutrition research and staying up to date. People like Danny Weber. My time generally doesn't go into nutrition research. It goes into human movement science research. And so I'm constantly going through all of that research so that I can provide you guys with evidence-based information you can trust. Now, the key there is evidence-based which means we want our information to come from scientific studies. But this is where things get confusing because just because some information comes from a scientific study, that doesn't necessarily mean that that information is valid. First of all, not all studies are created equal. Some studies are published in peer-reviewed journals, which means they have an editorial board, of subject experts who review and evaluate articles before accepting them for publication. So these are reputable journals that are also transparent about their fees, their procedures, and their policies. Their primary goal is to advance science. Then we have what we call predatory journals. So 
predatory journals, their primary goal is to make money. They don't care about the quality of the published work. They have little to no editing or peer review. They're not transparent. And they quite often exploit the researchers with hidden fees. These journals, these predatory journals are not trustworthy and they're actually a threat to science. So we want the information that we get to come from respected studies that are published in reputable journals. But even the best studies published in the most reputable journals can get fluke results. And so that's why studies have to be replicated. We need other scientists to redo those exact same studies to see if they get similar results. But unfortunately, replication studies rarely happen because there's not much in it for researchers to redo somebody else's study, which means that a lot of the things that are presented to us as scientific fact have never actually been confirmed. Then we have people who misinterpret studies. We have a good study. It's published in a reputable journal. Somebody reads it and misinterprets it and create some content citing this study that actually isn't factual. But unfortunately, it seems factual because it's from a respected study. And so we have to be really careful who we trust, especially with something as important as our health. Train Foley is a brand that you can trust. When you listen to our podcast, we're bringing in the experts, people you can trust. It makes it more challenging to get guests, right? There are a lot less experts than there are people who pretend to be experts. We could do what a lot of other podcasts do and just have people on who have big followings on social media, but we don't do that. We only bring on the experts, people you can trust. And similarly, the Train Fully Golf Fitness program is a program that you can trust. It's not some random collection of exercises that I threw together because I thought it would work well. We use a scientifically proven performance enhancement continuum that systematically removes the restrictions and limitations in your body and has an immediate impact on the quality of your movement. All of that reduces your risk for injury, enhances your golf performance, and optimizes rehabilitation. So you can pick that up at trainfully.com. So Danny and I are going to talk about how much protein, how much fat and carbohydrate we should eat on a daily basis, what that looks like on our plate, and what to look for in the grocery store. We're also going to talk a little bit about intermittent fasting, the ketogenic diet, dairy, and the 80-20 rule. Now, I do have to apologize. My mic is a little quiet at times during this episode. I had the settings messed up, but we sorted it all out, and that won't be a problem again in the future. I hope you enjoy the episode. All right, so joining us today, Danny Weber. Danny, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Tom. So uh, Train Fully, we pride ourselves on being evidence-based, and um, in the health and fitness industry, there's a lot of misinformation out there and also a lot of misinformation in nutrition, which is why I'm so glad you're here to help us wade through some of these muddy waters today. Help us walk through what evidence-based nutrition is, and maybe we'll start with the basics and maybe just explain what the macronutrients are just to start with. Sure, yeah. So everything with 
performance nutrition it's helping athletes to maximize their performance with the with everything that they eat and consume for the right energy requirements um and of all the energy that that we eat through the food is broken down into those macronutrients so simply carbohydrates fats and proteins and the carbohydrates and the fats they they provide the main energy supply um protein yes has four uh four calories uh, per gram uh, of protein however that's main supply for the the body to re- rebuild repair maximize those adaptations and, and all those sorts of physiological requirements um so when you hear energy it's main, mainly supplied from the carbohydrates and uh, and fats there's so many fads that come about in fitness and in nutrition and there's a lot of people out there saying that carbohydrates are evil and they're bad and we should not be eating them. Carbohydrates are not bad at all. Um, that athletes require carbohydrates to maximize their energy levels. They, they rely on carbohydrates a lot. Um, and to say that carbohydrates are what make you fat is just wrong completely. Um, and so the, a lot of people jumping on the ketogenic diet bandwagon, um, that may work for for people to control their appetites and they may not tolerate carbohydrates as well as um as most people do so that's fine however to say that that is the the reason for the strict reason for things like diabetes and obesity it's not it's it's not at all i remember getting into an argument with somebody uh fairly recently about uh, fat for fuel and all that. And, and I've, I've had the low carbohydrate diet for, for health reasons and just to try it. And, and I did feel good on it, but there's not any debate as to where our muscles get energy from, especially if we're playing a sport like golf and we need energy right now, we're not going to get that energy generally from systemic fats. We have to use the sugar that's in our muscles, the glycogen in our muscles. Carbohydrates and muscle glycogen is the more readily available source of energy so that is particularly at the higher intensity levels where um, for example a maximum golf swing that's where that energy is going to be supplied from um, the lower intensity efforts like the walking around uh, the course things like that that's going to be used more from fat so yes they do they both combine together as a as a an effective energy source when needed however the main, well, a big component of energy as well um, is the brain. Um, and, and that's very often overlooked. And the main supply to to energy for the brain is through sugar, carbohydrates. So we need to make sure that energy supply is sustainable and readily available to maintain focus and energy levels across a, what, a four-hour, four, five-hour period on the golf course. Right, yeah, being able to make that putt on hole 18 is going to require good cognitive function and that's going to require that we have some sugar in our system we'll talk about what to eat before during and after here in a moment but if we're just looking at our daily intake what types of percentages should we be looking for with the with the macronutrients and what you know how does that translate into grams for the average person it it, it varies (laughs) ultimately um However, I'd say it's looking at a little bit more uh, on the grams side of things rather than the overall percentages. Um, because f- for anyone who 
who does track their daily intake, like say using MyFitnessPal, for example, very popular. If you are inputting things and you need to hit a certain percentage um, and then you add a food in, that can skew that percentage quite easily. So if you know you're hitting that, uh, that relative figure of grams of protein and that's relative to your body weight, you know you're in that right ballpark as opposed to like a 15-20% um, of that overall intake. So um, if we were to ballpark it that way, then focusing on your protein intake first would be anywhere between 1.6 up to 2 grams per kilo gram of body mass for, for protein. Um, uh, that, if you're looking at a percentage, that may be around like the anywhere between 20 and 30%. And then uh, I'd say the, the next thing to look at would probably be the fat intake. Um, so that helps calculate um, your, your calorie intake more effectively. So a good um, total fat intake could be anywhere between 0.8 to 1 grams uh, per kilogram of body mass of fat. Then if you're ticking both of those, then you know the rest can come from carbohydrates. So with that higher training volume and that higher calorie demand, that can be filled up with, with those more carbohydrates to fuel your training. That makes so much sense, sort of layering it like that, doing the, the getting your protein first, getting your fat second, and then whatever you have left is the carbohydrate, which kind of makes sense. Our demand of carbohydrate really di is dictated by how much activity we're doing on any given day. Absolutely. So that's where the whole um, structure of like periodized nutrition revolves around a lot is the carbohydrate intake so on your heavier training days yes you need more carbohydrates to fuel that um but then on the lighter training days rest days your your demand for that isn't anywhere near as high so that's the sort of foods that you can pull back on while still maintaining that high protein intake focusing more on the the lower carbohydrate uh, good quality vegetables fruits etc and the high and the good quality fats as well um, so it's, you're still ticking your calorie requirements in the, in the correct way. That, that's something that's always kind of struck me is when I've tried to wade through the scientific studies. And the thing is, is there's a lot of really poorly done studies as well. So that's one of the difficulties when people cite a scientific study that came out somewhere, just cause somebody did a study doesn't mean the study was any good, right? <laughs> <laughs> But one of the things that, that struck me is, is quite often when they label an entire food group as being bad, it's not really like the carbohydrates that's bad. What they're saying is bad is like the processed food is more of the, the problem. Um, so what are some good natural whole food examples of carbohydrates? Like how can people fill their plate with carbohydrates as well as with, with fats and with protein? Yeah, absolutely. So I'd say um, for a, a well-balanced plate, um, like total energy and everything else aside, is to try to split it up into the, into thirds. So those thirds could very easily be um, a portion of protein. So let's say some lean uh, chicken or fish, for example. Then you've got your colour, so your medley of vegetables. Um, the more colours you get into your diet, the better for enhanced nutrient intake. And then the, re the other third could be that um, whole grain fibrous carbohydrates, um, like the starchy 
group, if you like. So they're trying to sway more away from the, the simple refined carbohydrates of like your white flour based options. Um, so your whole grain, brown rice, your potatoes, quinoa, lentils, legumes, all those combination of, um, of carbohydrate sources are the, are the best way to go. Uh, what's your, what's your Instagram handle? At Weber nutrition. Yeah. Check, check it out. He's got great examples there. He shows you what's on his plate and, and it's, and it's all delicious. So let's get into now what we should eat prior to a round of golf and we'll, we'll call it a competitive round. So let's say we're, we're going to play a tournament. What should we eat and when should we eat it? Yeah, of course. So it'll come down to what time starting as well. So if we were to say for an earlier start, um, the nutritional requirements don't change too much, but the timings and the portion sizes is what will vary to support that, whether it's a morning or an evening or an afternoon start. So let's say it's an early morning uh, breakfast requirement. Um, it would be something that's um, a good serving size to keep you feeling full uh, not not too full so you're heavy but good energy levels sustained uh, throughout the morning so porridge is a is a great example of that because it's a slow release energy from the carbohydrates um, so a good fibrous option there uh, and it's a very versatile option as well so you can play around with it adding additional bits onto it um, to some extra carbohydrates for, for, so from some quality fruits um, maybe adding a bit of Greek yogurt on top of there um, so there'll be some natural sugars in there but also a good boost of protein as well so whether you're having cow's milk or some Greek yogurt or you may even have some eggs alongside that as well so a, a little vegetable omelette perhaps um, help enhance that colour and also the high protein to keep you feeling fuller and sustained energy levels. The number that like the grams of protein that I usually stick with is about 20 grams. Is that generally the recommendation that you're trying to hit that 20 grams before exercise or before competition? Yeah, so it, that would generally be broken down across the day for what that golden number is really, if you like. So um, 20 is probably the minimum requirement to maintain that protein synthesis before exercise. However, if that's up to 30 grams, that would be absolutely fine. Depending on your body weight, it will be between that 25 to 40 grams per serving. The muscles will utilize that for protein synthesis. Anything that's left over will be pooled in the body and it will be distributed to all the other different functions in the body because there's so many different things that protein is facilitated for in the body. Probably the biggest question I get is what to eat during. Yeah, of course. Um, and so it's having that, that practical snack element. So you are going to maintain your energy levels throughout. Um, I should probably mention beforehand as well. It's not just about the food that you eat. It's the, the fluids as well, um, because you need to make sure you are maintaining your energy levels. You're able to concentrate throughout, but you also need to make sure you're hydrated. And that hydration will play a key factor in all of those elements. Or how much water should we have then before? Uh, the literature would, um, would say anywhere 400 to 600 mils or so a couple of hours before. Um, I'd say a pint of water with your your meal before you go out on the, uh, on the course is, is a good, good um, rule of thumb. And that would generally be like an hour and a half or so before you start warming up. So going back to during, it's maintaining your 
hydration throughout remembering to to keep drinking whilst walking uh between the holes um but with the snacks as well to maintain your energy it's something it higher in carbohydrates but with a little source of protein with it too it may even be a combination of fats as well so over the the 18 course uh, the 18 holes let's say you had three maybe four snacks across that time period so it might be every four five holes that you have something just a little boost of energy almost like you're grazing like you're just sort of grazing throughout the like a cattle just sort of walking around eating a little bit here and there just to sort of keep that systemic nutrition going yeah absolutely so if you think about like with your blood sugar levels after that meal if that was three four hours ago eventually they're going to start dropping um even with that high fibrous carbohydrates beforehand um if you have a rapidly high carbohydrate meal beforehand like a big bowl of cornflakes for example your blood sugar levels are going to drop a lot quicker than something good quality before um so that's when you you your blood sugar levels start yo-yoing and your lapse concentration and your struggle so having something like you can make like the little energy balls homemade protein bars um things like that which you can keep great quality foods like your using your porridge oats some dried fruits maybe mashing some bananas nuts and seeds adding some protein powder things like that peanut butter they all go really well to make a really quick simple and effective nutritious snack and then when we're done so let's 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 say this is like a two-day event or maybe even a three-day event we got to start refueling for the next day so then what mm-hmm. should we do after we we're, we're finished and when should we do it yeah so you'll want to start refueling pretty soon after and so with that meal afterwards you don't need to it's not like um, an endurance sport where you need to really refuel high on the carbohydrates it's more focusing on that protein the vegetables and a and a smaller amount of the the extra carbohydrates as well a good example of that might be a chicken breast with some stir-fried vegetables and some rice or noodles a salmon fillet a sweet potato or white baked potato and some extra vegetables as well something nice and easy like that what would you say most people are missing from their diet i'd say that variety more than anything it's very easy people for people to get fixated on certain meals which they find works well for them but not necessarily getting the extra nutrients so like if they find that chicken rice and broccoli which is a very typical um healthy eating meal if you like um they kind of neglect a lot of other food groups a lot of the fads out there at the minute dairy gets knocked about quite a lot um and dairy has a lot of health benefits to it the calcium and small amounts of vitamin d high protein the good quality fats that are in it as well really really easy effective option to add to the diet what are your thoughts on intermittent fasting comes down to the individual really there's some there is some interesting research looking at it from a cardiorespiratory health benefit however from a weight loss side of things there's no real additional benefit to it compared to just a traditional eating habit um, and structure of eating regularly throughout the day as long as calories are controlled that is the ultimate regulating factor we want to eat healthy foods it's going to replenish our body but ultimately if we're still eating too many calories it's going to be difficult to lose weight of course if you restrict it into that time window of a typical 12 to 8 o'clock is the only time you're allowed to eat 
but then you are stuffing your face at 12 o'clock because you're starving if you skip breakfast. I also find it quite antisocial. So, yes, we're, we're not quite allowed to eat out and socialise right now. But when you are and you're going out for a meal, it's like, oh, it's five minutes past eight. I can't, I can't eat that. That's, that's, that's me done. <laughs> no one's going to want to dine with you. Um, so, yeah, I think from that side as well, is it really something that you want to do? Um, is it a lifestyle that you want to, that you want to follow? Um, yeah, it's down to the individual ultimately. It, it does work for some people. Um, so if you find that it works, great. If you're to stand back and you're, okay, there's so much misinformation out there. So many people saying things that are contradicting each other. And unfortunately, most people don't have access to like a sports performance nutritionist like you or, or a dietitian. And honestly, there's a lot of people out there calling themselves a nutritionist that they're not, right? Yeah. But does it come down to just trying to eat food that that's real food that maybe doesn't come in a package and just trying not to really overeat and get enough water? A good way of looking at it is treating it as a lifestyle because at the end of the day, yes, we still want to enjoy a little bit of the bad because that helps us control a lot of the good that we eat. Um, and it's not flipping it on, on its head where you are prioritizing the the packet of crisps and chocolate bar and things like that it's knowing how to eat those in moderation alongside a very nutritious balanced diet so i'd say following like an 80 20 rule eating well 80 percent of the time does give you that little bit of freedom to enjoy the the preferences of the unhealthy stuff however with what it, the foods you are choosing yes eating naturally sourced unpackaged food is going to be the best option However, there's also no harm in having frozen versions of those foods. If you think about frozen vegetables, I recommend them all the time because they are picked when they're ripe and then they're frozen. Just because they're in a package in a freezer doesn't make them any less nutritious than, than a lot of the fruits and vegetables on the side which you can just pick up, wash and eat. How you cook the food from there is a, another element of it to make sure you're retaining as much of those nutrients as possible. But how do we retain the most amount of nutrients? You will hear people saying, well, you need to eat them raw to maintain their nutrient value. Um, and some vegetables may be better eaten raw. However, others are better when they're cooked because it releases uh, those enzymes within them. So maybe a combination of them both is the best approach. However, when you are cooking something, it's not doing it in masses of water, like boiling it for a long time. The water-soluble vitamins within that will escape. Um, so you're going to lose those those key nutrients. So best cooking methods would be something like steaming. Even microwaving isn't actually that bad as, unless you, you it's in there until it starts exploding. If you keep it to like three minutes or less in the microwave, it's actually the microwave is actually a really good way to retain nutrients. Yeah, yeah, it can be certainly. Awesome. This has been so, I appreciate you coming on because this, I know people, they're reaching out to me all the time, asking me nutrition stuff. And I don't know, man, there's so much information out there. <laughs> Where can people uh, find you and what kind of services do you offer? Do you offer one-on-one -on -one services? What, what, how can you help people? Pleasure. Yes. Um, no, it's been great to chat, Tom. Um, but if anyone wants to follow me, for example, on Instagram, um, a little bit on Twitter or on Facebook, um, all at Weber Nutrition. Um, 
or you can look at my website which is weber-nutrition.co.uk um, my services are listed on there but I do offer a variety of options for for, for, for everyone really so whether that's from um, the novice athlete up to the elite from one-off consultations through to one-to-one uh, monthly nutrition coaching um, I also offer um, support for those looking to lose body weight and help transform yeah transform their diet into more of a lifestyle to find what really works for them if that comes alongside wanting to lose weight as well then that's a, an additional goal i appreciate it man i know the uh everybody listening appreciates it as well i'll put a link uh below on the uh on the uh on instagram and on social media so you can reach out to danny for some nutritional advice and get some evidence-based information danny appreciate it thank you very much tom it's been great to chat